Welcome everyone to our podcast and webisode series called If You Don't Mind Me Asking, where we explore and ask as many questions as we possibly can in about 20 minutes about the lived experiences of people with disabilities. I'm here with my co-host Dan and I'm Lucy and we both work for Business Disability Forum. Yeah, it's uh, always fun, always a pleasure to do these uh, podcasts um, and even more so today because we're welcoming colleagues from BDF, George Wright, uh, who's a Vice Service Officer here at BDF. So hello, George. Uh, welcome, uh, all three of us here. So we can, I'm pretty sure we can just say whatever we'd like. Um, and so it'd be great to hear a little bit more about yourself, who you are, where you come from and what you do. Okay, it, it, are you you doing your, your Scylla impression? Uh, everyone watching this is probably way too young to know yeah. this. Anyway, <laughs> we know, um, yeah. It was a good joke for me. Um, so hi everyone, my name's George and I work at the Business Disability Forum. I've been around for around about two years almost. And prior to that, I have had a long career in HR. So I've been a learning and development consultant. I've worked in management, helping to manage teams of up to around about 250 people. I've also been an HR generalist and an employee relations specialist where I was specifically responsible for supporting managers, um, and arranging for adjustments as part of my role as managing all sorts of interesting employee relations cases um, and supporting people with disabilities, uh, health conditions and long-term sickness. Um, on top of that, um, I have um, some lived experience. I've got some professional experience of disability. I've got some personal experience of it as well. So I've got uh, a, a small handful currently of uh, non-visible disabilities. Um, I am neurodivergent and I also care for my mum who has Alzheimer's and we have several family members who have disabilities that are not immediately visible as well. So maybe it's something that runs in the family. <laughs> You're all gifted, yeah. Yeah, we're all uh, very gifted in different ways. So I come from a really small uh, village as well, sort of on the, the East Suffolk kind of border um, with Norfolk. And um, I guess that's that's a little bit about me. What else would you like to know? So I was going to say, you've touched a little bit around, you know, a handful of disabilities. I think it's kind of, if you could just unpackage that a little bit for us about how disability has impacted on you. Um, and again, we don't want to fluff this all up and go, oh, yes, we have these things, but it's all marvellous. You know, let's cover all aspects of that, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly almost, I think. Um, I'll, I'll it's not much ugly because it's all a beautiful world for George, but, you know. I'll, I'll try and do that in, in the most palatable way that I can. <laughs> um, I guess this may be watched before the water sh watershed. So, um, um, so I was born with a condition called spina bifida. And it's a congenital birth defect where either various different parts of the spinal cord may not develop properly. And I had a, a really mild case actually. So it was spina bifida occulta. And the only evidence of this was a, a birthmark at the base of my spine and a, a tiny little hole there. And uh, everything uh, on the face of it seemed normal until I got to about 18 months old. And then I stopped walking, um, I stopped being potty trained, and uh, clearly something was wrong. And it's, it, it transpires that this little hole had allowed for infection to enter my spinal cord, and I had meningitis in my spine at that point. So 
rushed down to Great Ormond Street Hospital, emergency surgery, one of my first, first one of my, my back surgeries actually, and then at the time held in traction for a couple of weeks as a, a little baby. And um, they didn't actually know at that point whether I was going to work, um, to work, well, I'm definitely working, um, whether I was going to walk again. So I'm a, a little bit of a, I, I guess, a, a unicorn in the spinal injuries world, whereas I've, I've got an incomplete injury so that I'm a walker, but I have damage to all of my nervous system uh, from the, the point of um, the infection down. So that's, that's one. I was, I was happy with that one. Um, quite content, didn't really <laughs> yeah. want to collect anymore. However, um, around about five years ago, I started to get some really bad fatigue. And interesting that, Dan, we, we were talking earlier about um, your post-COVID symptoms sounds very similar. So maybe I got in there early um, <laughs> and I was uh, falling asleep before dinner, having dinner, falling asleep after dinner, falling asleep on the floor, uh, walking up a couple of flights of stairs and my legs were just saying to me, don't want to do anymore, walking up a very small hill to get to the tube and finding it incredibly difficult. And um, lots of investigations later, after lots of tests, um, it transpires I have pancreatic insufficiency. And what this means is that my enzymes don't produce, uh, sorry, my pancreas doesn't produce the enzymes that it's meant to for me to digest my food properly. Um, so I don't uh, absorb all the nutrients that I should. And this has led to all sorts of interesting um, impacts on me, as well as the chronic fatigue, some uh, very, I don't know if they're unique gastrointestinal issues, but for someone who already has damage to their spinal cord and has uh, retention uh, with regards to their bladder and their bowels and, and precarious control, this is not the best thing to have happened to me. Um, on top of that as well, very interestingly, um, I have been diagnosed as neurodivergent uh, in this last year. So that explains a few more things as well. So there you go, a little, a little handful, um, which I'm sure as life progresses will possibly get a little bit bigger. Um, but just when you think you've got enough, they do keep coming. Mm. The gift that keeps giving, isn't it, sometimes? Um, and yes. I'm just going to very quickly touch on cake because I do like a bit of cake. And I know when we talked last time, you're, you can eat whatever you like, can't you, pretty much? It's a real double-edged sword because I always went through life um, being very, very jealous of people who can eat whatever they like and there are no consequences to this. And I have now become one of those people, however, with the consequence of having chronic fatigue. So I'm not really sure which is better. I used to quite like climbing mountains and, and doing lots of things and going to lots of places and trying lots of different food, um, going traveling, etc. Um, but I can eat a lot of cake. I can get through a, a whole sort of family pack of crisps, not really any consequence. Um, I dread to think what it might be doing to my insides, but from a weight perspective, um, no, quite difficult to put weight on now. Do you still get like the, the sugar crash and that, or is that related to the pancreas? And if you have the cake, are you sort of like, so you're not putting on the weight, but then, or, or at the same time, you're then going, oh, is this chronic fatigue? Or am I just exhausted because I've just had a Victoria sponge? 
That, <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> the caffeine actually affects me really badly. Uh, sugar, I get, I do get crashes actually in terms of having to have sugar. And and uh, so I had to go through all these tests as well to see if I'm diabetic because I'd go through mm-hmm. the, I've got to eat whatever is in front of me right now and I cannot stop eating. Um, but in terms of like the sugar making me, and then no, caffeine does though, weirdly right. enough. Very yeah. sensitive to that. Such a balance of all of the different different elements with the different conditions. And mm. I imagine so it was particularly with so you know, as you'll have heard, the the we, we had a COVID pandemic, which is now over. Um if you okay. if you read the papers, then it's it's not making the front of any of them anymore. So I'm pretty pretty sure it must have gone. But uh, it'd be interesting to know sort of like how at a pandemic well how it how it did affect you and how it continues to affect you because you know um if you unlike the papers it, it is pretty much it is still around but you just don't hear as much about it now yeah so it's it's a really good question because it again it's it's a gift that keeps giving i think um so i was identified as clinically extremely vulnerable because my pancreas doesn't work properly so i'm much more likely to um, suffer from getting lots of infections so i'm immunocompromised as well um interesting enough i i can't actually fight a bladder infection off um so i'm on constant antibiotics and getting a, a letter to tell me that i was shielding was uh, almost a little bit of a relief um because i really didn't want to catch covid got enough going on thanks very much can't be doing covid although saying that a couple of weeks where um i I have an illness not a big deal i had major back surgery three years ago and and i can deal with being laid up for a few weeks but i think there's the scary thing for me is really having um long covid on on top of what i have um because this was already identified as a, a possible viral infection that has led to the pancreatic insufficiency um so first few months actually were fine. Um, everyone was in the same boat. Uh, we came up with stuff that we could do at home to entertain ourselves. We got a pack of cards and we wrote oh, things like, like we'd go to the opera or we'd go and have dinner. What that really meant was we'd get dressed up in some fancy clothes and we'd watch an opera on the TV or we'd cook a really nice meal or whatever it was. So we had lots of things to kind of um, to do. We had lots of Zooms with friends. There was lots of activities online as well. So theatre productions went online. Comedy went online. We went to an online rave for my birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm that old. Um, but... But the point is, you know, that there was stuff to do and it actually, I don't know, it kind of felt like, you know, we're all in this together. But obviously, um, as restrictions have been or uh, were loosened and then removed completely, it's kind of left, I think, myself, uh, certainly the other clinically extremely vulnerable people that I know. And I guess maybe everyone else who is clinically extremely vulnerable, a little bit stranded. Life has kind of gone back to normal, whatever that is. Um, and we've just been left to fend for ourselves, uh, take our own precautions, uh, try and convince people that we're not uh, mad, that we're actually quite concerned about our health and the impact that getting COVID may have. And therefore, we would really like to not catch it. So it's been really difficult, uh, both from the perspective of of having a, a life which was actually very full, Um, really scaled back and also I guess sort of having that um, 
that that narrative really told you all the time about this is nothing to worry about don't be silly um this is just a cold um and i guess sort of you know life has, has really changed from the perspective of um for me anyway and, and possibly not that much different for, for some people previously but that kind of option to you know socialize uh, go traveling, go to theatre, go to galleries and restaurants, which are all things I really loved to do. Um, they just don't feel safe anymore. Um, I have got a first line of defence where I've I've had to, um, like I had to have some surgery in December. So um, I, I have this, um, which is a FFP3 uh, mask. So hopefully nothing's getting through that bad boy or bad girl in my case can we just describe that for people who are listening to this rather than watching it would you like to describe it or shall i, <laughs> I don't, do you know in in many ways so it's it's a large mask that covers a huge you know, obviously your mouth and your nose but very heavy i'd say it's like plastic it's bright blue it's quite a funky color i'm quite loving it for me it almost looks a little i'm going to say a gas mask in terms of description for people mm, um with dusty. large mm. yeah something Something with large filters on the side, I guess, and sort of a nose at the end of it almost, I think, probably that holds the filters in or something. So it's it's pretty. And if you just talk for us, is it really muffled or can we hear you? I've been told that it's okay. So you know what? that is surprisingly pretty good, actually. Oh, yeah. We had to get some work done in the house a few weeks ago and I had to carry on working during this time, but clearly I was not happy to um, not wear a mask at the time. So I was conducting my business calls with this on and apparently I was audible. Yeah, it's pretty good. We'll let you take it off though, if you want well, to, George. Well, just just uh, to demonstrate as well, there is uh, the face shield. As well. Lovely. Double down. So, um, yeah. curiosity, what's your experience with that now, George? Because the fact that you get a lot less people wearing masks now. So, during, well, during the pandemic, which is still going on, but during the pandemic, uh, when they, you had the regulations for people to wear masks and the like, it would often be sort of like, you know, frowning at people that weren't wearing them. Whereas now, I suppose you're in the minority if you are wearing one. What, what, what is, did you? get that is that you know, so if someone's coming to do work in your house are you getting people thinking why is this person wearing a mask or do you it, it, it varies so some people will be like absolutely no problem i'll wear a mask as well anyone that comes to the house i ask them to do a lateral flow uh beforehand probably a bit problematic now they're not widely available to everyone but that's okay i'll provide them um so very mixed um i i think yeah that the general messaging I guess I've had off a lot of people is that you just need to get out of this now you just need to stop like get on with life uh it's it's for the living um and it's like well yeah but I quite like to carry on living which is kind of why I'm doing this mm. so um yeah mixed mixed reactions definitely but I think uh I've gone through the kind of real low of um I guess not really understanding how we don't have a sense of collective responsibility. Um, whereas I completely understand why people want to pretend COVID is over. Um, and I guess also feeling just really, really upset that we, we don't seem to want to have a really kind of caring society, but I live in a bit of an ideal world in my head. So yeah, it's been tough. I won't lie. 
It's an interesting one because I think I, I, I've stopped wearing masks, I'll be honest, because it's kind of it's quite refreshing not to. And so I've sort of embraced that. It took me a little while to get over it. Um, so I don't tend to anymore. But I have to say, if I think if I saw someone wearing that degree of mask, I think that person is really trying to protect themselves. Let me do my bit as well. Do you know what I mean? And I, do you see any of that at all in people or not really? It's interesting, actually, because so uh, uh, we, we spoke about burns as well prior to this call. And I had to go to a burns clinic for a few weeks running recently. And my last visit, they had stopped wearing masks in the hospital. And so I requested um, the, the nurse that was treating me to wear a mask. So even though I'd gone into the hospital with this on, with my face shield on, there wasn't ever an offer for you know from her to put that on and I think that the really interesting thing for me is that there is a massive power imbalance in a lot of relationships so you get told well just ask us just say and no one really has an appreciation of actually how difficult that is to do because by the very fact that you're not doing it means you don't want to do it I've now got to ask you to do something that you don't want to do and actually is that going to have an impact on the treatment that I get so it's actually in itself quite anxiety inducing that people are not saying oh would you like me to wear a mask um yeah. so it's the one thing people really could do that certainly for me would make a difference and interestingly enough and i haven't prepped this but i ran a little twitter poll on it um a few weeks ago just to see how comfortable people are and 80 percent of people are not or 80 percent of people that answered the poll yeah. are not comfortable asking someone to wear a mask so mm. let's take those triggers or those sort of points from other people and say actually if people, other people ask I think especially I say that mask I'm going to say is extreme and I don't mean that in a derogatory way but it's certainly different from the kind of paper masks almost that we, we see a lot of you know let's take note of that and kind of leave, have a little bit of an insight into why that might be and do our bit as well I'm going to move this on a little bit but I was going to ask you know it's the pandemic isn't over this is still impacting on you but that balance of the need or the want to get on with normal life I'm doing that in inverted commas almost what baby steps are you, you starting to take because you know it, it, it's just not possible I guess to keep yourself locked away in the house is it no and so we, we've had some really good news in the last couple of weeks and we're now able to move out of London um so that's been a really big thing for for me and my partner and uh, we're moving to the seaside which will be really exciting um so we're going to be able to do more outdoorsy things which is the the, the thing that we're not really able to do in london um so uh, the fact that it's summer as well the weather's been great has meant that I'm able to meet with people outside as well. So there are definitely some things I'm, I'm comfortable doing. There are some things I, I'm definitely not comfortable doing, um, but I guess as things evolve and we learn more about COVID, um, maybe I will get more comfortable. Um, haven't managed to go traveling yet, um, but we have been away. So we, we rented a camper van, which felt like a really safe thing to be able to do, to go both down to Cornwall um, and up to Scotland. So I've done John O'Groats and Land's End so far this year. I don't know where's next, um, but moving is the next big thing. And, and we're hoping that we'll be able to do um, lots of outdoorsy things, sailing, walking, bicycling, you know, that, that kind of thing as, as weather and energy allows. So yeah, all good. But we're lucky. We're really lucky we can do that. A lot of people can't. Mm. 
as someone who stayed in a camper van uh, where the, nothing to do with um, pandemic or anything at all, but to hear them sort of like sounding as sort of like a, a safe thing is wonderful. Good for you, George. I, I found it absolutely frightening the entire time I was in one. But... It was a bit frightening <laughs> when, when we were on a cliff and there was like yeah. 45 miles an hour winds and the van was literally rocking. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> the only way to see the coast <laughs> i realize we're getting a little bit uh close on time um for, for this so it'd be good to find out actually george where obviously other than the advice service but uh where our listeners and viewers can find you online Oh, well, I would say definitely come and visit me on advice. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, if you would like to see the professional side of me, uh, just Georgina Wright. And I'm also on Twitter, um, which I ironically have found to be quite a supportive community if you engage with the right people. And uh, you can you can see me or hear me rant on there. And I'm at George underscore works, because despite everything, I think I still do work. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you work. Gosh, you work hard for us on that advice service. It is kind of one of the fantastic resources, but I'm not doing a plug for that. But yeah, I'm just going to um, say, plugging BDF now. Yeah, I know. That was like really cheesy, wasn't it? We're marvellous. Yeah, we're going to our Alan Partridge moments there, aren't we, Dan? We're trying to avoid that one. Um, thank you so much, George, for joining us today and for sharing. And we, we really wanted to get this message across to people that actually the pandemic isn't over. And although normality is sort of resumed for many people there's a number of people I mean you talked about numbers last time when we spoke how many people do we think might still be shielding it's about two million something like that it's it's pretty high it may be yes I I haven't depressed myself by keeping on top of badly uh quite a few of us are living but it was it was yeah I think it was about two million people that were told to shield so but please let's yeah, let's all just be a little bit more considerate, a little bit more observant and see what we can do to support each other a little bit more um, around this stuff. So uh, thank you for sharing that story, George. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks very much. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you for listening. You can find future episodes on major streaming platforms, search Business Disability Forum or at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk and search podcasts. You can also watch the series on our YouTube channel, search for Business Disability Forum. Please do share and leave us a rating. Business Disability Forum is the leading business membership organisation in disability inclusion. We work in partnership with business, government and disabled people to remove barriers to inclusion. Businessdisabilityforum.org.uk